Today is, by tradition, the third day of Christmas. Uh, Christmas is, in fact, a season, the Advent season. As the song says uh, that we sort of make light of, the 12 days of Christmas, there are 12 days of Christmas, according to the ancient church calendar, from December the 25th through uh, January the 6th. And I love the fact that the calendar of the ancient church uh, uh, stretched out the events of Christmas for 12 days. And I love it not for all the things that we do at Christmas time, the music, the presents, the candy, the food, and the drink, all good, right? All great. But it would be uh, uh, belt busting to do that <laughs> for 12 days. But uh, uh, in spite of all the making merry, I love that the 12 days of Christmas emphasize the full events of Christmas because Christmas is not so much a day as it is a story embedded in a big story. Uh, neither Homer nor Tolkien nor Stan Lee invented the concept of, of the epic. In fact, it is God who is the great epic storyteller. And like every great epic, the, uh, the, the story that God tells in the scriptures, the Bible, is filled with hundreds of characters. You know, like when you're watching a show that you really enjoy, especially miniseries or an epic, you know, uh, a sequence of great, of great movies, one of the things that you enjoy it for is not just that there's like one, one great character, but there are all these characters that are all different and bring different strengths to the story and, and are who they are within that story. And every story uh, has those characters that you might call uh, background characters or secondary actors but no character is accidentally in the story. That's a good story. Christmas is just so. In the first pages of the New Testament in Matthew's gospel, we see the three uh, core figures on that holy night. Joseph faithfully obeying the, the word of the angel. Mary being uh, faithfully with child and on the journey to Bethlehem's manger. And centrally, the child Himself, who's born that night to the songs of the angels and the awe of the shepherds. But the events went go beyond, uh, far beyond that one night. One particular scene that I love that we often skip over in the telling of the Christmas story is in the Gospel of Luke uh, in chapter 2, where Jesus, after he's born, uh, on the eighth day he's circumcised. According to the law of Moses, if you go read Leviticus, what Joseph and Mary are doing with Jesus as he's born and after he's born, is exactly following the law of Moses. On the eighth day, he's circumcised, and 40 days after his birth, uh, Joseph and Mary take him to the temple to be presented to the Lord by his parents. And there, at the busy, bustling temple, off filled with many priests and worshipers, there was that day an elderly man named Simeon, who Luke describes as righteous and devout and waiting for the consolation or salvation of Israel. And when Simeon sees the infant Jesus, he takes him in his arm and he praises God and he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. There's also there 
an, an elderly woman, 84 years old, a prophetess who had spent all of her time since she had been widowed praising God and giving thanks and serving God in the temple. And when she witnessed these things, she began, she began to give thanks to God and tell about Jesus to everyone that was there. And for Simeon and for Anna, this is the only scene that they're given in the drama of redemption in the scriptures. But it's crucial because Simeon, Anna, and Anna bear witness to the consistent faith of faithful, committed Israelites. They, they bear witness to the world of all the faithful Israelites who had kept faith in the promises of God but they also bear witness to all of the other Israelites that here was the Christ for whom they had been waiting. And they bear witness. And this moment with Simeon and Anna dovetails perfectly with our passage today, which is back in Hebrews, which we're going to dive in together. And just as we will see of all of God's people, we can say of them, by faith, Simeon waited at the temple. And by faith, Anna came daily to worship by faith, they looked and they saw the coming of the promise. I invite you today to uh, stand with me and to open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 20, where we are going to uh, get back into the book, book of Hebrews for the next uh, uh, so many weeks. The Holy Spirit, speaking through the writer of Hebrews, says, verse 20, by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. 
They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the great uh, story of redemption that we find ourselves in today, that we are a part of by faith. We pray that you would give us understanding of your word, that you would work in our hearts, Lord, to draw you closer to you, Lord, and fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. And, uh, and be glorified in us, Lord, as we worship you through the word of God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In case you are yet unsure of the central theme of our passage, let me draw your attention to the first two words that we read in verse 20. By faith. 18 times in Hebrews 11, the author uses this phrase while mentioning 16 specific persons from the Old Testament, from Abel to Samuel. Some scholars say that the writer of Hebrews, this isn't so much a letter as it is the record of a sermon that the the writer of Hebrews preached and then got written down and delivered as a letter. So you can imagine by this point at chapter 11, if you were in the audience that day and you hear him start at the beginning of the Old Testament, near the end of what you hope is his sermon, you know you're in there for a long time. Just like once the examples start rolling, right, when the preacher gets going, you, 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 you get a barrel of them. And what we get is a barrel of examples from the Old Testament. The, the, the writer loves the Old Testament, and he starts in Genesis with Abel, who by faith offers a sacrifice, uh, he says, in the beginning of chapter 11. And he just begins to go through all of, of the, the, the great figures of especially Genesis and Exodus, And as well to talk about all of the faithful people of God in general. Well, Today we're going to go directly at our theme in three parts. First, that for the believer, life is, all of it, is all of faith. Second, that for all believers, they share one faith of all. And third, the the faith spoken of is faith in one who is faithful above all. Well, by any human measure, the people in this story were heroes. It is not wrong to speak of them as such. Odysseus and Aragorn have nothing on these folks. In fact, the writer of Hebrews is not, so much, is not much constrained in his high praise of them. In verse 33, he says, they conquered kingdoms. They stopped the mouths of lions. They became mighty in war. They became strong in weakness. They put armies to flight. They died for what they believed in. They suffered rather than surrendered. They fled into isolation rather than to receive false accolades. These are the kinds of men and women and the stories of which legends and great stories Are made of. Of them, the author of Hebrews coins a phrase that's used daily across the world of English speakers with no awareness of where the phrase comes from. 
speaking in such high praise uh, that to use the phrase today is almost always flattery. He says of these folks in verse 38 that these are those of whom the world was not worthy. But by the divine standard, the people in this story are commended by one thing. They are not commended for the things uh, that, that make for good stories in our eyes. The constant repetition leaves us in no doubt as to what that was. And it's those two words that open our passage and are repeated like a refrain over and over again, a chorus, by faith. Both the opening of this chapter, so in the beginning of chapter 11, which we covered some time ago, and in its conclusion, uh, make this plain. Uh, Hebrews 11, verse 2, for by faith the people received their commendation. Or verse 39, and all these were commended through their faith. I love the variety of characters that we find here. Of course, the appearance of most of those folks here is no accident. They are the great figures of the Old Testament. Abraham plays a big part. The patriarchs of, of Genesis. Moses, the great, the great lawgiver. They are the great figures of the Old Testament. But there are surprises, as we're going to see in this epic story. Note especially uh, the variety of circumstances pinpointed as portraying faith. Instead of giving the whole story of their lives, which, which you have to read the whole Bible to get all of that, and even that leaves out details, the author draws our attention to specific moments in the lives of these folks that displayed the faith that he is talking about. The first three figures that we read of today in verses 20 through 22 are Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. The son, the grandson, the great-grandson of Abraham, the father of our faith. And the events mentioned, the moment that, that the writer zooms in on, is the end of their lives. You know, most of the time when we make... When, when, when we get movies from Hollywood that depict what faith might be like, when, when we depict what, what you know, achievement might look like in their understanding of what those things are, it's normally at the moment at which someone is full of life and overcoming and conquering. But the writer here draws us to, to the end of three lives, of Isaac and, and Jacob and Joseph, and the events are when they are blessing those who come after them. Isaac, by faith, looks to the future and blesses his sons. Jacob looks to the future and blesses his grandchildren, and he dies worshiping. Joseph dies by faith, looking forward, giving them instructions about what to do with his body. He says, guys, guys, I believe that, that what great-grandpa has been talking about, about the promised land is real, and I don't want to be buried here. I know I've been made this great number two in command here in Egypt, but I don't want to be buried here. I know it's big and it looks powerful, but I want my bones to go to Canaan, and he, he told them what to do. The cool thing is, if you, if you read that story in the Old Testament, that happens, and then many chapters later, it talks about when they go, they make sure they have the bones of Joseph when they cross the Red Sea. And he is ultimately buried in the promised land. And they are always looking 
forward. Moses is especially highlighted for six verses. Many of the things that we know about him are here. By faith, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, he chooses Israel over Egypt. By faith, he leads the people out of Israel and to take the Passover. But the first thing that's noted about him is not his faith, but it's his parents' faith. Notice it says, by faith Moses, when he was born. And then it talks about his parents. Was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. And so we see that faith is, can be, ought be, a lineage. And by faith, the people of Israel followed Moses. And then the next example in verse 30, Israel is at Jericho. In Joshua, a story told in Joshua chapter 6. And Jericho was a fortified city in the promised land of Canaan. Imagine that this is the Death Star of the Canaanites, right? This is the impregnable fortress that, that cannot be overcome. And it stands in the way of going into the promised land and taking all that God had, had given them. But by faith, it simply says the walls of Jericho, if you know the story, fell. And here's what struck me. These, voice, the, these verses point to people on both sides of the falling walls of Jericho, to the people of Israel outside who are by faith marching. And then there's, there's one woman who's pointed out, who the book of Joshua says was living out on a house near the wall. And she happens to be a Canaanite, a Gentile. And we are reminded here that she was a prostitute. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, disobedient because she had given, she gives a friendly welcome to God's people and she's pulled in to the victory that they enjoy. Israel is victorious by faith in the promises of God and Rahab, a Canaanite harlot, is united in the same victory of God by faith. And what I love about the story of Rahab is that if you go to Matthew chapter 1, which we normally read around Christmas time, we skip to verse 18 because the first 17 verses are a bunch of begats. But this woman is in the begats, in the lineage of Jesus Christ by faith. So when we think about what's commendable, it's not in, in human eyes. It's not how we judge uh, by our standards, but it's by faith, which is the measure that, that God uses. Amen? What commends these all is their faith. They are not commended to God by their power or greatness. They are not accepted to, by God for their virtue. They are not found worthy due to their achievements. No, everything that is noteworthy about them. Notice, when we say that they're, they're not noteworthy because of their achievements, that even though it talked, some of, these did, some of these folks did conquer kingdoms and they fought great wars, the author highlights at the end the fact that in human terms, most of them suffered defeat. On a human scale, they suffered. On a human scale, they lived in isolation. On a human scale, they were tortured. They refused to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. They suffered mocking and flogging. They were not heroes by the accolades of the world around them. No, everything that is noteworthy about them before God is connected to their faith, their trust, and their hope in their God. And this faith drives them 
to action. Action by faith. We see then that in every age, such faith is the whole life of every believer. And we see that it is a faith that shapes from birth to death. Moses' birth and his childhood are by faith of his parents. Isaac and Jacob and uh, Joseph die by faith. There is nothing in life isolated from what can be done by faith. Not for the believer. There is nothing that we do that's secular and things that we do by faith. The believer is all of faith or he or she is nothing. We live by faith and by live I mean all of living we do by that faith. We call ourselves and label ourselves believers because we believe and as such are always believing. Believing we live and sleep. Believing we work and play. Believing we laugh and cry. Believing we parent and provide. Believing we study and rest. In all that we do, in all that we are, believing and by faith is who we are. Paul says of mere food and drink in the book of, in the book of Colossians, the Corinthians, he does the same thing. He's fighting with the church. They're fighting over what's legit to eat, what's legit to drink. They're all fighting over this and there's all these disputations going on. And, and, in, and in both cases, his conclusion is the same. Whatever you do, and he says this of mere food and drink, which is hard for us to comprehend today. We don't fight over uh, food and drink so much. But he says of them, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If we can eat and drink by faith, then we can do everything by faith. How will you endure this season, this 2020 year that, uh, that, that all are anxious to move, fa- uh, move past? By faith. If the times are good for you, how are you to receive blessings in the midst of all this? By faith. If you face loss and fear and worry, how are you to walk through such things in, on top of a year like this? By faith. Every step we take by faith. But what is this faith of theirs to which we are called? What are its characteristics? We're not talking about bland faith. We're not talking about uh, hallmark faith. We're not talking about do-it-yourself DIY faith. What kind of faith is this? For that, we have to begin in context before this, in above in our passage in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 36 through 39, which really belongs with Hebrews 11. In fact, in all the years I think I've heard, like growing up in Sunday school, we always go straight to Hebrews 11, by faith. And very, I don't, I don't remember hardly anyone connecting those two. And it, it really takes a, a series where you're going verse by verse to pick up all of these connections. But the writer of Hebrews quotes at the end of chapter 10, one of the New Testament's favorite Old Testament passages. The New Testament has favorite Old Testament passages. So the passage that it quotes is Habakkuk 2.4 which Paul loved, which James loved, which the writer of Hebrews loved, which is quoted multiple times in the, in the New Testament. The writer of Hebrews says, for if you have need of endurance, he's, he's encouraging them to endure, so that when you have done the will of God, you may have received what is promised. For 
And then he begins to quote Habakkuk. This is in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 36 through 39. Quoting Habakkuk 2, he says, Yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. This is the same verse that Paul turns to in Romans and Galatians and which rocked Martin Luther's world. These words, the just shall live by faith. So first, this is a faith that justifies. That is, it is a faith that makes us right before God. As Paul will go on in Romans uh, to speak about uh, the faith that we have that justifies, that makes us right with God. Uh, therefore, having been justified by faith, Romans 5, we have peace with God. And this is exactly what the writer of Hebrews intends. He says of Noah in, in, 11, in chapter 11, verse 7, the same chapter that we're in, he says about Noah, Noah built an ark and he became, by that faith displayed in his actions, became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Second, it is a faith that is future-oriented. Each and every one of these heroes of faith is, whether they're giving birth or whether they're fighting on the battlefield or living in tents or even on their deathbeds, every one of them is looking over the horizon to an as-yet unfulfilled promise that they had received from God. The writer says here in verse 40, 39 and 40 at the end, that these folks commended through their faith did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that, the, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. In comparison, the writer is saying, we are uniquely blessed. They had faith that almost entirely had to look forward. But we have a faith that looks on what Christ has done we live after the coming of Christ, after the offering of the one sacrifice upon the cross, after he rose again and ascended to become the firstborn of the dead. And yet, we still live before all things have been made new. So our faith is fuller, and yet we still live in faith in a promise pulled into the future by the promises of God. Amen? promise of one who came to Bethlehem will come again and he will establish a city whose builder and maker is God and he will bring heaven on earth and he will make all things new. Third, it is a faith in one whose evidence is everywhere and yet remains invisible. It's said of Moses in verse 27, by faith he left, left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, he endured as seeing him who is invisible. God does great things that all can see. And yet in the midst of mighty acts, he hides himself to all but the eyes of faith. For faith is a kind of seeing, a kind of seeing that can only be received by grace. John Calvin of these verses says, we hence learn that the true character of faith is to set God always before our eyes. Fourth, it is all of faith, but it is not an alone faith. That they are commended by faith that works out through their actions. Their faith takes steps. Their faith 
blesses, their faith uh, uh, conquers, their faith, uh, uh, in the case of Rahab, makes friends. Their faith takes the form of actions, of loving, of serving, of working, of doing. This faith they all shared. However simple it might have been. And some of the folks in this story, we mentioned Rahab, but some of these other folks in the story, uh, 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 commended by their faith, weren't necessarily great people. It speaks of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah. And I don't know if you remember when we went through the series uh, on Judges, but you will know that in spite of the great, incredible works that, that these guys did, they weren't exactly great people. But their faith that they share is the same faith that they all share. They're not made righteous by their great acts. They're made righteous by their faith in the one who is faithful to them and who is, who is going to keep his promises to every one of them in this story. So we come ultimately to ask, who is this one that is the object of this faith? Note why we, we have to ask this question. True faith is not and can never be a one-sided affair the way that our culture thinks of it. It is not a self-project. It is not a personal improvement plan. It is fundamentally outward and upward directed. It is about God and not ultimately about ourselves. At every point in this chapter, the by-faith repetition is not meant to focus our attention uh, uh, on, the, on the following characters, it is in fact the opposite. To point us beyond to the one who justifies by faith. To point beyond to the one who keeps his promises by faith. To point to the one who reveals himself to the eyes of faith. He has been the author's theme since the opening verses of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter one, verse number one, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Above all the men and women of faith, here he is the faithful one. As the next chapter will say, which I believe Kyle gets to preach a glorious passage next week, Hebrews chapter 12, uh, chapter 12, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. He is God in Christ, redeeming the world, reconciling the world to himself, which is what we sing about in Joy to the World, which is what we sing about in, in all the hymns at Christmas time, restoring all things. The Lord of glory, who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit, the Father sending the Son, the Holy Spirit glorifying the one who was sent, the Son. The son who is the once and future king who once upon a time inhabited a Bethlehem manger and lived to make a once for all time sacrifice on a Roman cross and will once more come again to make all things new forever. Today I invite you to set your eyes upon him afresh or for the first time. Christmas would be a wonderful time to believe in Jesus.
and to see Jesus for who he is and what he is the first time. Worry not whether great faith will come. Simply lift up your eyes and look towards him and gaze upon him. And when you see him, I ask you, what do you see? Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for the gospel. We thank you, Lord, through this past year that you have been with us, that you have kept us, that we have walked by faith and worshiped by faith. We've been at home by faith. We've worked from home by faith. We've parented and done school at home by faith. We've, uh, we've endured a year that, that, that has surprised us all. Father, we thank you this day for the gospel. We thank you for Jesus Christ who has come and is coming again. I pray, Lord, as we, as we go this week out uh, and begin a new year later this week that we would do it by faith, Lord, that you would be glorified in us, Lord, and we ask this all in Jesus' name, amen.